If you've got a Bible with you, please turn to Psalm 133. This is our last song of ascent in the series. Um, Psalm 133. If you don't have a Bible, I'm going to read it in just a moment. It's only three verses long. So it's just a short song. Beautiful song. If you've been a Christian for, some, for a while, you would, have, you would have heard it and you would be familiar with it, I'm sure. Let's just commit our time to, to the Lord, shall we? Let's pray together. We thank you that the Apostle Paul wrote that our gospel didn't come to you in word only, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We pray for demonstrations of the Spirit's power today. Lord, we thank you that, as he said, that he was talking about his preaching, that somehow the preaching was more than words, that, this, that you, Lord, owned the message. Now, God, you, you know what's going on in people's lives, and you know what they need to hear. And it's impossible, naturally speaking, that I could speak about one thing and it would hit everyone. But if you were to take this message and make it live, then who knows, Lord, maybe everyone could be helped, encouraged, corrected, built up, pierced, healed. So we pray, Lord, please own what I say. We try and be true to the gospel. Holy Spirit, we pray you would charge this place with your presence. It's what we long for, Lord. We long for you. We really do. And um, we just know, Lord, that to be in your presence is without any comparison. We long for you. So as I preach and these guys listen, we just pray, Lord, see our hunger for you and for your kingdom and for your righteousness. Amen. Amen. Okay, Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity or when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar or on the skirts of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now, to be honest, when I read that, I thought, where are we going to go with this? Um, it doesn't immediately lend itself to, uh, you know, okay, this is Mount Hermon. Right, okay, where, you know, Aaron's cloak, okay. Where are we going to get here? But um, God is very, very kind. And um, <laughs> as I waited and thought and prayed and read, um, hopefully we'll have something here that will be of help. What's going on is we're in the last but one song of the Songs of Ascent. Now remember what they seem to be about. They seem to be the songs that the Israelite pilgrims would have sung on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the, the feast they had throughout the year. So they would travel from all around, from right up on the, you know, the, um, the north coast tribe of Asher would come down. You'd have uh, Simeon coming up from the south. And all the tribes would come together and gather at Jerusalem where they would celebrate God's salvation. They would celebrate his rescue of them out of Egypt. And, and really we're reaching the climax of these songs here. And what's happening is, is that the psalmist is singing and he's talking about when the tribes gather. 
There's a gathering of the tribes. They've gathered to celebrate. They've gathered for a feast. They've gathered together under God. And he's looking on, and his observation is, it's beautiful. How good and how pleasant it is when those from different tribes come together to form one. And where they sit down together and they dwell in unity and they dwell in harmony. And they are together. There's a oneness there under God. And he's delighting in it. He's, he's, um, he's inspired by it. How good and pleasant it is. You know, there's some things in life that are good but not pleasant. Like vegetables. You know, they're good. Yeah? Some of you might, sorry if you're a vegetable lover, I'm speaking personally now. Okay? They're good. Yeah, they are good. They're green. They must be. Okay? But pleasant. I mean, I wouldn't put them in that category, okay? There are certain things in life that you know you should do, but they're not enjoyable. But you do them, why? Because they're good. Then there are the things that are pleasant, but they're not good. Too much chocolate. Custard creams. Very pleasant. Not good. Going to bed too late when you've got work the next day. Pleasant in the moment. Clearly not good in the morning. Why did I do it? The psalmist here says, how good and how pleasant. It's a win-win, all right? So we're going for a win-win today. We're going for something that is very good and very, very pleasing. That's what we're going to be unpacking. So expect to be happy by the end of the message. This is a picture of the church. This unity, this gathering of the tribes is an ancient, it's a picture of what God is going to do. He did it in a microcosm with Israel for a period of time. He is doing it eternally with his church. He is gathering all tribes together. Let's look at the different factors here. We've got, um, we've got tribes, different tribes, and yet we've got people that belong together under God. Let's do a little tribal thing, shall we, for a moment. I would like us all to stand, please. And I want you to gather in tribes. The first tribes are going to gather in are ethnic tribes, okay? So we're going to keep it broad. We're going to go for a tribe of those who are ethnically from the British Isles, a tribe of those who are ethnically from Europe, a tribe of those who are ethnically from Asia, a tribe of those ethnically from Africa, North America, South America, Australasia. We won't go for Antarctica, okay? So we're going to go for ethnically, you are part of that tribe, either one of the major continents or the British Isles, okay? Now here's going to be the fun bit. Get yourself into those tribes. And Oh, sorry, and mixture. We want a mixture group as well. Um, if you're a mix... Ethnically, if you're a mix. I want to see clear groups here. Show me who's who's where. Africa's coming together at the back there. Bob's looking lonely. <laughs> clear groups, please. Clear groups. Can you move? Can, okay, can you make your lines of separation clear? All right. All right. So listen, listen. This isn't, 
This isn't cultural, this is ethnic, okay? So, ethnically, who we got over here? <laughs> I just knew it would be a large group. That was my reason in there. No offense, no offense intended. What group, what group do we have here? North America, baby. I thought the USA was really big, Bob. There's only one of you. What's going on there, bro? I'm representing. <laughs> who do we have here? Australia, Australasia, okay, or Oceania. Okay, who do we have here? Mixed. No, no, if you're mixed, you go in the mixed. If you're African, we've got Africa over here. Where's Africa? Shout from Africa. Let me hear you. Africa, let me hear you. So Africa's there, mixed is there. Nick, you're a mix. You're Africa, North America. Africa, Jamaica. North America. Yeah, in terms of continent. Yeah, of course it is. Francis, what, what are you wandering around for? Find yourself a group, man. You, Jamaica, we're going to go for as the West Indies, we're going to put with North America as a continent. Yeah, I think, Bob, you've got some friends. Come on. All right. Okay, who we got over here? Asia. All right, okay. Who's this big lump in the middle? Oh, my. You're the quietest and the biggest. These are the guys that cause the problems. When we sing and it's really quiet, these are the ones who cause the problems. Did you listen to that? They're the biggest group. I said, where'd you come from? They went, Britain. Where'd you come from? All right, okay. Now we're going to just... Francis, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> okay, now we're going to mix it up a little bit and just go cultural now. So some of you will stay where you are, but others of you are more you, ethnically you're something, but you've been brought up somewhere else. So culturally, you're more something else. So stick in the same groups, Africa, Europe, British Isles, Asia, mixture, North America, Australasia. But move if your continent now changes culturally. That's all right. Don't worry. You're not going to get a mark out of 10. All right. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to change it again. It's good to make acquaintances. That's very good. Very good. Make friends. Now, listen. What we're going to go for now is a lot of people find their tribe in their taste in music. So what we're going to do now, we're going to go for these different categories. We're going to go for classical, indie rock, soul funk R&B, Jazz, hip-hop, other. I'll go for that again. Classical, indie rock, soul funk R&B, jazz, hip-hop, other. No mixtures allowed. You've got to choose. That's other. Mixture is other. This will be interesting. Jazz, funk, R&B, and funk, and okay. Where's um, where, where's classical? Where's classical? 
Ah, uh, yeah, they're the culture. Look at those guys. They're, they're cultured and clever. Um, where are the jazz? Where's the jazz guys? Jazz. Where's, where's hip-hop? Who's hip-hop? Yeah, okay. Francis, you're walking around again. Yeah. Other. Who's other? You lot are other. Okay. Uh, indie rock. All right, okay. We're going to go for one more now, one more tribal, one more tribal group. And it's vocational. So those of you, find, you, find a group, those who work in an office, those who work from home, those who work outside, those who are students and other. Office, home, outside, students, other. You are students. Those of you that are students. Who are you guys over here? Can you make a separation, please? There's a big old... Can you get... Okay. Okay. Okay, so... This is interesting. Neil, where do you work? Neil, you're a student. Where are the students? Neil, you're over with those guys. All right, okay. Who are you guys? Very polite. You see that? Office, office, yes. Tea break, 10.30, yes. Okay, right. These guys. Students. All got sleep in their eyes. Okay, right. These guys. Home, yeah. These guys. Other, other. You guys. Other. You. Outside. One outside. Oh, we got two. Two outside workers. All right. All right, guys. Take your seats. Take your seats. Very good, Francis. <laughs> to those of you that are asking, we are not now going to gather back with the bread and wine. Okay, there's a bit more to come. All right, so you'll be you'll be glad to hear that. The point. The point I'm trying to make is that in a globalized world, in a, in a globalized world, tribalism takes on many different forms. There's countless others we could have done. I just did the most obvious ones. But tribalism is that sense in which I'm different from you because of X, Y, and Z. And um, so, so that's the reality of life. But the second element is, is that these people in this psalm somehow belong together. And I wanted to make a comment that we belong together. If you go back to creation, you find that it's God's plan to create mankind in his image, that they, plural, might rule on behalf of him, that they may represent his rule in creation. That's why we were made. So we were made to, in harmony and in unity, represent his authority, represent his goodness, his benevolence, his rule. That's what we are made for originally, you see. And so people being against one another, people being at war and all those kinds of things are totally unnatural in the purposes of God. Envy, strife, malice, and all those things are not part of God's original natural creation. 
We belong together. And then the final thing is that in this picture, in this psalm, they come together under God. And here's the key. This is the key to the psalm, really. All of us are in this room today, well, for one of two reasons. You're either here because someone's invited you, and you've got some interest, perhaps, in Christianity, but you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian. The majority of us are sitting in this room, why? Because God has called us. There came a moment in our lives where we were called by God, where God broke in and changed us, changed the direction we were going in and turned us the other way. Now, it may have happened when you were three, maybe you were brought up as a believer, and at some little point, you can't even remember now, you gave your life to Christ. The Bible describes that as God's calling, God called you, or it may have happened six months ago. But God has got a hold of you. Hallelujah. God has broken in. The gospel now makes sense to you. When you sing these songs, something inside you says, yes. The spirit of God who lives inside of you cries out, yes. Cries out, amen. Cries out, this isn't just nice ideas. This is my life. This is my truth. This is, this is it for me. This is me. I've, I've come home. It's the calling of God. And it's a beautiful Beautiful thing. You see, the reality is it's not your music taste that really separates you from others. It's not your ethnicity. It's not your history. It's not where you work. The Bible says that the thing that causes the divisions is sin. Because what you do, if you get two sinners together, you can take away certain things. You can put them in the same home, maybe like Big Brother. So they live in the same place. So their environment is the same. So there's nothing really to compare, and they'll find something to fight over. They'll find something to pull apart with one another. Why? Because sin in its nature is that thing that drives us away from God and from one another. It creates fracture lines in relationships. The Bible is clear that the reason we are separated from God is that our sin has separated us from him, that we are born sinful and, uh, and we live sinfully. And, and those sins and that general sense of being a sinner separates us from him, creates a fracture in relationship. From that point on, all other relationships get fractured. At best, they remain together but imperfect. At worst, we see war, divorce, and all the, everything that comes under that category. This is the reality of the human condition. This is why the psalmist is saying, what I am seeing here is good and it's pleasant. There's a coming together. There's a diversity. You've got the seafarers from the tribe of Asher, the mighty warriors of Benjamin and every other coming together. And they bring that. It's not that they somehow have to, have to sort of take that off. They bring that, but they bring it to the table under God. And together as they're in unity, honoring one another, preferring one another, uh, respecting and genuinely loving one another, something happens in God. Something happens in the spirit that creates this amazing miracle of genuine unity. Genuine, God-given unity. Christ on the cross, we are told, reconciled us to the Father, or the Father reconciled us to himself through Christ's work on the cross. And as we are reconciled to God, the idea is that from that point, we have been given the tools through the gospel and the Holy Spirit to be able to work out reconciliation horizontally. So reconciliation with others in our lives, husbands, wives, friends, family, those we are estranged from, out of the gospel and the power of the Spirit given, out of Christ's work on the cross where he's pulled all things 
back to God. He's done all that's needed to bring things back to God. In, that, in the power of the cross, we are able to bring reconciliation. That's why the Bible calls us ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for God. Where we go, we bring peace. Yeah, We don't just keep the peace. Stop arguing, guys. Just stay away from each other. We make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. That is, that is what a believer is, is a peacemaker. Why? Why are they called sons of God? Because they'll look like their father. And our father is a peacemaker. He loves reconciliation. He hates broken relationships. This is why this psalm has got a, a place in the Bible, such a beautiful place, because for God it's a huge deal. It's not okay to sing the songs and do the kind of Christian thing, but for your relationships to be falling apart. And you to be avoiding reconciliation or even acting in a hostile way. You're, what you're doing there is you're doing, you're doing something which is actually quite harmful and unsustainable. You're pulling in two directions at once. Because the gospel pulls towards reconciliation. God is a father. Fathers love to gather. Good fathers love to gather their families. They love to gather people. I love it. I love a, ga- I love a good gathering indoors. Guys! Let's talk, you know. Let's have a gathering. It's just what father, it's what father, it's the father heart. The father heart loves it when the family comes together. God is our father, right? He loves it. When we, when we gather like this, he loves it. I believe God looks forward to our gatherings. Because we don't gather to me or to a band or to a, we gather to him, amen. We gather to our father who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. And he's made a way, right, so that in Christ you have free access into his presence. Please don't, please don't think that it, it's not a visit to the headmaster's office when you come into God's presence. Oh, what's he going to say now? Oh, no, no, I've done that wrong. He's going to do me for that. That should not be your mentality. When you come to your father, you are coming to one who has shown his incredible love for you by making a way so that, so that even given all the things you have done wrong, And all the stuff that's not quite as it should be, you can come into his presence 24-7. He's a father and he loves to gather. He loves to gather. So he's gathered us together through the gospel. That's why we belong together, because we're together under him. Yeah, we're not just together. Let's just get together and sing some songs. No, we gather to him. That's why we make it a priority. That's why we say, let's gather. Let's make it a big deal. Why? Because we're gathering to him. I mean, I would, I would ask you, do, do, do you realize that? Imagine if, imagine if you were invited to one of the Queen's kind of do's, you know, you got a letter through the post, you're hereby invited. You'd be like, whoa, you go and get a new, you know, frock. One old-fashioned word. Why did I say frock? I don't know. You get a new frock, uh, unless you're a guy, in which case you wouldn't do that. If you would, see me afterwards, we'll pray about it, okay? You get a new suit. And what do you do? You make sure your hair looks nice. It's easy for me, okay? You, 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 you make sure you're all shaved and all the rest of it. Why? Because you're going to see the queen. Okay? Yes, Ruth. Yes, okay? So you're all shaved, guys and girls, okay? I know what you're thinking. All right? And you think to yourself, I am going to see the queen. And you get there, you arrive. I was by Buckingham Palace the other day and I saw a horse and, horse and chariot going with someone sitting in the back, probably going to be knighted, I guess, or something. You just think, wow, wow, welcomed into the courts, right? It's like that, okay. And you go in and it's, hello, your majesty. Let me put it to you. 
When you gather here, you are coming to majesty. That really is the meaning of the word. All other majesty is derived. He is majesty. And he says, welcome. Welcome. Call me Abba Father. Call me Father. It's glorious. We gather together. We belong together. Why? Because he's called you by name and you by name and you by name and he's gathered you together. It's deliberate. It's the purposes of God. It's not random. It's not accidental. It's the plan of God. We come under his banner. It's a banner of love because God is love. It's a banner of peace because the Bible calls him the God of peace. It's a banner of grace, which means favor, undeserved favor. Why? Because he's the God of all grace. That's what we gather. We gather under those banners, brothers and sisters. And it's a beautiful privilege to be able to do so, to live under that. We belong together. It's God's intention. But then in verse 2 and verse 3, he says this strange thing. He's like, he said, you know what it reminds me of? I'm looking at this and I'm reminded of when uh, Aaron, the priest, the high priest, the, 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 the anointing oil was poured on him and it poured all the way down on his beard and then onto his robe. You're thinking, well, what are you seeing that I'm not? Why does it remind you of that? Well, these tribes come together feasting. He's thinking, it's just like the oil on the robe. You think, how? How so? And he says, I'll tell you, it reminds me of something else as well. It reminds me of when the Jew lands on Mount Hermon and then trickles down Mount Hermon to Mount Zion. It's just like that too. And all the rest of us are sitting there going, mate, let me in. What? Why? And that's what I've been thinking this week. God, why does this remind him of this? Because I can't, I can't see what it is. And there's two main things here. There's, um, the first thing is this, is that throughout Scripture, you represents the blessing of God. To be, you find it all the way through. Do a word search, you'll find to be, if you live somewhere away from the Jew of the land, you're really, you know, you're under a curse, you're away from the blessing of God. If you live in a place where you've got the fat of the land and the Jew on the ground, it's the blessing of God. Okay? And obviously the priest, the, the high priest in those days, would be anointed by God. It was a sign of God's favor and God's blessing. I've chosen you and I've called you. It's about the blessing of God. So you've got to understand this. Genuine unity in God's church is about God's blessing. You should look at it and say, there's a blessing going on here. God's, God's doing something here. It reminds me, actually, of God's blessing. Look at the direction of the flow of the oil and the water. The oil starts there, and then it comes down and onto the rope. The water starts on Mount Hermon, a higher mountain, and flows down to Mount Zion. What the psalmist is trying to get us to understand is this. When you get brothers truly dwelling together in supernatural unity, it's not the result of some scheme, some idea someone had. Let's all gather together and make a club. Let's all gather and call it Revelation Church. It's not some kind of secular, humanistic, we've done really well here, look what's happened. What he's saying is no, something has come from above. A blessing, an anointing has come from above and you are the recipients of the blessing of God. Do not take that for granted. To be called into a church, to be called into God's covenant community, to be called as part of that means that the blessing of God has flowed onto your life. He has looked on you with mercy, with grace. He has called you and he has blessed you. This is massive. 
Now, there's this verse at the end, you know, um, there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. He's not just saying that where there's unity, God will bless. There was a lot of teaching around a few years ago where people were saying, if we could just get our act together, churches, and, you know, maybe we should all just become one church, and then there'll be a revival, and God will do this, and God will do that. Okay, now, I think it is saying that God loves to bless unity. I think it is saying that. But I think it's saying something else as well. I think it's not just saying that where, there's, um, uh, that where there's unity, God will bless. I think he's also saying this. Where there is unity, God has blessed. So it's not just, let's get ourselves together, guys, and then maybe God will do something. It's like, do you know what? I want to be with you. I want to do life with you. I want to serve Christ with you. I want to I commit myself to you. I want to walk with you. I want to get old with you. Do you know that? I actually want to get old with you guys. Okay? I haven't got some plan to run off. I've not got some plan. Well, we'll do this and then we'll go. If God calls us, we'll go. But I want to get old with you guys. I want to get grey and even wrinklier with you. I want to. I want to commit. I, I want to do that. I want to say, I want to be with you. Okay? I've not got some plan B. I've not got, but we'll see. I'll keep my options open. No, I'm here. I'm here. And I love you and I want to be with you. Why? Because it's a, there's a, there's a blessing. There's a, there's a, I know God is with us. And there's a blessing on what God is doing among us. And it's, it's beautiful. And not, it's not just some, oh, isn't that amazing? Look, we managed to, it used to be 12. Now there's however many. Look, what, look what's happened. How, how do we make this happen? Must have some really good administrators. No, God has blessed us. Okay? God is with us. God is on us. Thank God for the administrators. Okay? But they're not the cause. They help things work well. The cause is the blessing of God. We must recognize it, be thankful for it, treasure it. God's anointing is here. God's presence is here. It's a God thing that's going on. God is doing something beautiful. Let's enjoy it. This is why it's so important that we love each other. I want to speak for a few minutes about loving one another. It's so vital that we do. Jesus said, I'll give you a new command. Love one another. You remember that? I think, was it new? I think what you're saying is this. It's not explicitly, you know, one of the ten, but, but oh, it's that important. Love one another. And when the Bible talks about loving one another, it's, uh, what does that really, what does it mean? Well, it means to lay down our lives for one another. It's not sentiment. It doesn't mean sentiment. The word uses agape. Agape means a determination to do someone else good. I will do you good at my own cost. Love one another. And it's in the context of his journey to the cross. His greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He's just about to do it for them. He's gathered them into the first church, the covenant community. He says, what will mark you is sacrificial love, that you are committed to one another. Here's my command for you. Love one another. Serve one another. Prefer one another. Honor one another. Don't have the mentality of, what can I get out of this? No, lay your life down. That's the gospel thought. Lay your life down. There is the root to blessing. You want blessing? Lay your life down. It's counter-cultural. It's counter-everything. But it's gospel. And it's very, very beautiful. Biblical love is being part of a covenant community. Really part of it. It's not just if someone says to you, what church do you go to? You, go? you say, oh, I go there. You go to football matches. You don't go to church. You're part of a church. I'm part of this people. I'm, I, I'm with them when it's going well. I'm with them when it's going badly. 
And I'm not just with them when it's going badly for them. I'm with them when it's going badly for me. I don't just disappear. I don't just go away and then come back when I'm happy. No, I'm with them. Now, you can't bear your soul to this many people. So God in his grace gives us ways. He connects us with people. There are heart connections with certain people. There's a general commitment to all, but God will knit our hearts with some. So there are, I guess, gospel communities and and things like that. We'll work it out. We'll work out what that looks like. But it's deep. It's really deep. God wants to wean us off of independence. Where we say, oh, I'll figure it out. I'll do it my way. Some of us really come into the kingdom with that mentality. You always have done. That's the way your family's done it. I'll do it my way. I'll figure it out. He wants to wean us off of dependence at the other extreme. Some of you come into the kingdom and it's like, you're just used to people doing everything for you and you've been basically a total avoider of any responsibility. You just want to, oh, great, a bunch of nice people. I'll join this church and they can live my life for me and do all the hard stuff. God wants to wean us off of that and bring us into interdependence where we give to one another and we bring our gifts to the table and our strengths. It's love. It's biblical love. And it's glorious and it's beautiful. The Bible describes love literally as the glue of the church. That's the word it uses in the Greek, the glue. Love is what will keep us together. That is the glue. Good systems won't. Good organization won't. Even faith and miracles won't. Love will. Love is the greatest. It's massive. Not only so, but it's also the wit- our witness to the world. Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples when they see your love for another. He didn't say they'll get saved. He didn't say, love each other and there'll be a revival. Love each other and everyone will want to become Christians. No, he said this, love each other and the world will recognize you're the real thing. And for some, they may say, mate, I'm, just, I'm too scared to join that. Look, look, look at it. It's just, it fills me with dread. There's an awe there. You saw that. You see that in Acts. Some are just too scared to join. But in that kind of context, we're told their numbers continue to multiply. Some see it and say, that is real. That's not just religious hype and talk and shouting. That is real, and I want to be a part of it. Biblical love. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. A church united for years in earnest service of the Lord is a well of goodness and joy to all those who dwell around about it. I will say that again. A church united for years in earnest service of the Lord is a well of goodness and joy to all those who dwell around about it. Wow. I guess I'm asking you today to have in your mind at least, totally submitted and open to God, but a sense of saying, I'm here for years. I'm here for years. Because if you don't, If you don't nail that one, then what happens is you're here, but you're there mentally. Yeah? I want to go there one day. And in the right time, if it's the will of God, he'll bring it about. He'll open the doors. It will be loud and clear. You'll get there. But to live with that double-minded thing, it just keeps you from really giving yourself. I want to call you today to give yourself to the community God has called you to. And if you say, well, maybe it's not here. Maybe Maybe it's another church. God bless you as you find your home there. It's fine. No one is constrained by force to be here. But if God has called you here, let us love one another. This isn't a correcting word. This is an encouraging word. Okay? This is a word of encouragement. If the Lord is using it to correct you, then you're going to have to just work that through with him and with others. But my heart in it is just to encourage. 
when we first, well, before we started the church, two people prophesied independently. They said, your church will be known for love and the miraculous. Those two things coming together. There will be a miraculous anointing and also, but the love will be genuine. People will see it. And, and it's always with, oh, that's a beautiful word. I went to Norfolk this week to meet with a guy called Mike Betts and, um, who really, uh, he kind of oversees a lot of church plants and stuff. Lovely man. And we prayed together on, uh, I think it was Thursday morning. And he says, I just get in this thing. He says, yeah. he says God is going to, he started prophesying, God's going to gather loads of um, health professionals to you. Loads of different people that work in the caring health profession. He says, because there's, there's, a, there's a care, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gentleness, there's a tenderness, there's a love. Your church will be known for love and for the prophetic. Right, it was just like, what? just to hear it again, totally independent, years later, your church will be known for love and for the prophetic. He's going to increase both those things. It was like, oh yeah, come on Lord, well what is love? We know what love is, don't we? 1 Corinthians 13, I'll just read the list to you. It's beautiful. Love is patient and kind. Patient. Oh boy, do I need to hear this. Anyone else need to hear this? <laughs> we're Londoners, of course we do. We're maniacs. We want it all yesterday. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It doesn't pull others down by envy or bring itself up by boasting. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends or love never fails. That's what God is calling us to and it's inspiring. Love is not about giving things up. If you took away from last week's message that you should give lots of things up, you've not quite understood the message. Love is about giving things out. So the whole deal is this. If I've got two coats, a good response to last week's message is not to run down to the charity shop, necessarily. It might be. But just quick, I must find an avenue to get rid of that spare coat quick. It's to look to what blessing you can be with that second coat. Love is about giving out more than it's about giving up. Because giving up can become an introspective and a self thing in and of itself. Which is what it, love is about extending out, isn't it, to others. It's about saying, I've got two coats. I'm going to keep my eyes out for someone who's shivering. I'm going to keep my eyes out for someone who really needs that. I've put a reserved sticker on it. That's gone when I see the need. And when you find the person, you say, you sit tight there, I'm going to dash home, I'll be back in 10 minutes' time. Because you found it, God's shown it. See? That's how it works. Because listen to this. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, so not just giving away your coats, we're talking martyrdom now, but have not love, I gain nothing. You can do all that stuff, but it's not coming out of love. You can do it in love, and it's a beautiful offering of worship to the Lord. The final point, today's message, is that this is a downward flow, but it reaches to the lowest parts. It reaches to the lowest parts. There's Mount Hermon, there's Mount Zion. There's Aaron's head, there's his beard, there's his cloak. King James would say skirts, even round by the hem. It reaches the lowest parts. 
Now, what does this mean? It means, first of all, us. If you're a believer, you've understood that you are lowly and that you desperately needed help. (laughs) And God has come in with mercy. Hallelujah, that the gospel reaches the lowly, because you're one of them if the gospel's reached you. Okay? Yeah, we were desperately without any answers or solutions, and God broke in and saved us. Hallelujah. But it also means this. To those who would be considered lowlier, true Christian love must extend there. True Christian love must reach to the lowest points. Those points that are considered the most lowly in society. If it's true Christian love, it keeps flowing down until it reaches the most desperate situations, until it reaches the most hard and impossible scenarios. It must get there. To the valleys of darkness and death. It must get there. That's Christian love. Christian love isn't, oh great, I've got a lot of good friends now. It's really nice. We, we do great stuff together. Praise God for friendship. Praise God for friendship. It's a blessing. But it's not the whole picture. The love flows down to those struggling at the bottom of the pile. To the poor. Now, who are the poor? Well, I would say that last year the Listons were, to be honest. Last year with the cancer and the chemo and, you know, we hit a place where we just, knew we just needed, we needed help. <laughs> we needed external help. We, had, we were out of family resources and you guys really loved the poor last year. Thank you. We were the poor. You see, it's not a category of person who's in that state all the time. It changes with regards to situations and scenarios. But it's those who are in need. Those who, through circumstances or life, or even through own crazy mistakes, have found themselves utterly without any answers. God is biased towards the poor. Not because he loves them more, but because the world is biased against the poor. And God hates injustice. God wants to level it out. Okay? So it's not like God has some innate love for someone who doesn't have anything, but he hates what's happened and he wants to put it right. And so his bias towards the poor is about straightening the thing out. And so we've got to carry that in our hearts because we live in an unjust world. If you don't realize that, come on, you, we need to wake up to that. Okay? The world isn't fair. God loves justice. Some of you here are called to reach the high. You're called to reach those in positions of influence and those who are rich. Don't feel bad. Reach them. But recognize this. You're not called to reach them because God is really impressed with those in influence and really wants to get to know them. Because they're amazing. They could do all kinds of amazing things for his kingdom. And he really needs them. It's because God loves them. He really loves them. And very often they're poor. And not only that, God has put them there because he has a plan that they will use that influence to help those at the bottom of the pile. So it's all part of the plan, you see. It's all part of God's plan. It's all together. You've got to see it as a whole and as a big picture. We head downward because that's the direction of God's love and God's anointing. You see it in the gospel. There he is, the eternal son of God. He becomes a man. If that wasn't enough of a jump of humility and downward, he becomes obedient to death on a cross. What is going on? Jesus is showing us the direction. The direction to glory and fullness of life is downward. We follow that. We follow that. Cross to glory. The cross to glory. Remember we had a prophecy a few years ago on a Sunday morning. A girl called Laura got up and she said, Steph, God's given you keys. He's given you keys. And the lower that you go, and she meant the lowlier people that you reach, the higher God's power will manifest in this church. 
And from that point on, I thought, God, what are these things? God, you know, I've been seeking God. I, th- I feel more and more it's about these gospel communities. I really do. I, I just know, God, there is, I believe there is a genuinely a force of the power of God that's going to really be let loose through these things. I really genuinely believe that. What if God were to give us a gospel community that reached the prostitutes in North London and redeemed them out of that hopeless, fear-filled, often drug-addicted, sometimes it's not drugs, it's that the pimp is so terrifying, they're afraid to run away. What if God was to give us a, a group that could reach into that and redeem and rescue them out and get them away somewhere, maybe on a farm, out of the reach of vile oppressors where they can be restored and come to know the Lord and then reintegrated somewhere where they're never going to be harmed by that person anymore. And that'd be amazing. And that'd be amazing. If God gave us a crack squad, a gospel community that would go to the hospices, the AIDS hospices, where we could reach out to those ravaged by AIDS, those many of them homosexual people, many, much higher percentage in that community, and bring the gospel hope and love there. Wouldn't that be incredible? Why not? Why not? There's no reason why not. There's no reason why not. All it takes is for God to birth it in your heart. And then we run together. And we see God do something amazing and incredible. Jesus called out to Zacchaeus, come into your house for tea. The most hated man in the city. Maybe we could have a gospel community to reach parking wardens. I used to really struggle with them. You remember some of my early sermons. I mean, I really used to. Because I, I moved into Camden and it's a nightmare for them. God has softened my heart over the years. I would love to be able to reach them. I would. I would. <laughs> they're, most, they're the most despised, aren't they? Imagine someone, if someone saw you bringing a, a cappuccino, a nice one. I just wanted to get that for you from Costa. Here you go while you go about your work. People would hate you, wouldn't they? Just like Jesus reaching Zacchaeus. Let's look like Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood. Unclean. Unclean. I just touch his robe and then run away. Who touched me? Oh, no. What does he say to her? Do not fear. Do not fear. It's Jesus. That's who we follow, isn't it? Legion. No one will go near him. Break chains. Demonized. Scraping his, his naked body with stones and rocks. Horrific. Horrific. Jesus doesn't run away. He sees him restored and healed. Why not? Why not break through into the mentally ill? See God's restoration come through the gospel. Why not? Why not? There's no reason why not. Let's believe God. Let's believe God. This psalm starts with God. Gets down to one another. I was learning how to love one another. You can't just go out and do outreach if your church is a state because you bring them into nonsense. You bring them into a fraud. It's not good enough to say, well, we've just got to stop loving each other and get out there. No, we've got to start loving each other and get out there. We've got to keep loving each other and get out there. Because we do. We do love each other. But we've got to keep doing it and get better at it and be out there. That's the direction. Because that's the gospel. I love it that this is, a, this is a song all about things going down, and it's called a song of ascent, going up. It's the gospel. It's the kingdom of God 
from the cross to the glory. Amen. Father, we thank you so much. That we are not a secular organization that has to gather together and try and figure out what on earth we're going to do. What can we throw money at? What can we try and fix temporarily? What can we do that will make our figures look better when they're inspected? Thank you that we're the church. And we've got the gospel. And we've got the Holy Spirit. And you're going to birth some beautiful things in and through us, Lord. And we thank you that the prophetic word is, is that you will give us bridgeheads into communities. And by the things that we do, this unlikely army, and there will come a point where even the government look up and ask questions. Thank you, you're going to do it. Father, we believe you. We believe you. I believe you. I'm utterly convinced that you're going to lead us into this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. You are gathering us. You are building us. You are taking us somewhere. You're the best dad anyone could ever have. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. As we gather, Lord, on the, uh, on the 17th, blow on us. Breathe on us, Lord. I pray things would come out of that meeting that we would look back on in years to come and say, can you believe that got birthed there? Now look at it. Look at the amount of lives that are being changed. Look at the impact. Look at the hope that's being restored. Look at, uh, look at, look at how teenagers, many, many, are now so very, very different. Because someone dared to reach them with the gospel and love them sacrificially. God. God. Please give us this land, Lord. Please give us this land, I pray. Please give us it. We ask you for it, Lord. It's yours. Give us it, Lord, I pray. For Jesus' glory. Lord, we, we, you know, we, we, we don't want it for out so we can feel good about ourselves. Jesus, your son, deserves the glory around here. And deserves people to love and honor him. So please give us this land, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God spoke to me before I got in the shower this morning. Told me that there's uh, someone here, you're really struggling with guilt. To do with um, some something happened by way of... Uh, something you did or didn't do led to a child or children under your care being hurt in some way and you're in the crippling guilt because of that and the Lord wants to release you from that today so if that's you I'd love to be able to just pray with you see God sorry see God just heal you there from that because you can't live with that you can't live with that and Satan would love you to live with that he'd love you to carry that thing that thing around for years but that's the kind of thing that the gospel comes to set us free from. The crazy mistakes, the things we've done. You think, how did I do that? The gospel comes to set us free.